Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Amen. How many remember 2010, July 3rd, 2010, when the straight winds came? I don't know about you, but I can remember that time. We were on the lake with a good couple of friends of ours, uh, Ty and Kim Mitchell. We were on the lake with them. We were out, man, sitting in the lake. We had our life jackets on. And all we were doing was floating in the water, just talking to four of us. And out of nowhere, man, here it was a bright and hot, sunny day. And out of nowhere, we look off to the, the distance, and all of a sudden, there became a cloud. And this small little cloud all of a sudden began to grow. And then it was getting bigger and bigger. The sky became black and so on. That time and I looked at each other. We said, we got to get off the lake. We got to get out of here. Man, things are getting ready to happen. And as soon as we started getting off the lake, the wind started blowing. It was hard for us to dock our boat. Finally, we got our boat docked. We got in our golf carts. We started driving home to our cabins there in Voyager Village. And as we started getting to our cabins, the wind really started picking up. And before you know it, man, trees were snapping and bending over, and the roads were getting covered all over the, all over the street. We finally got to our cabin. When we got to our cabin, our garage door was going up and down like this. I could never put my golf cart in the garage. And then we ran to the house. And when we ran into the house, I mean, then the wind really got bad. And I mean, trees were snapping all around us, man. It was crazy. And when we got done and when the storm passed by, we walked outside July of th- July 3rd, 2010. We walked outside. It looked like a war zone. I mean, it was crazy. How many of you remember that time? Man, I, I don't know about you, but it was absolutely crazy. But the point of that is that a storm came up when we least expected it. And I mean to tell you, we were, man, having fun. The skies were blue. It was hot. It was a great day. But then out of nowhere, Michael, a storm came up. And doesn't that happen in our own life sometimes? We can go in life and things could be going great. Things could be happening really well for us. And out of nowhere comes a storm. And I'm not talking about a physical, rainy, windy storm. I'm talking about storms of life that we all go through. And so I'm going to be talking over these next few weeks on the book of John. These are stories that are dear to my heart, that are relatable to you. What I like to do is I like to talk about John because John was one of the dear friends of Jesus. It was Peter, James, and John that was very close to Jesus. And because they say, scholars say, that John is the most accurate of the Gospels, that John is the most accurate of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so because of that, because John had an intimate relationship with God. He was there with Jesus when he was praying, and he was there with God. He heard a lot of inner circle kind of things with God, more so than all the other gospels. So John is the most accurate of the gospels. But in reading John, God gave me some stories that are relatable to you. And so over these next three weeks, I want to share with you stories that God has put upon my heart that are relatable to you, maybe to help you out of a dilemma that you may be going through in your own life. But in John chapter 6, you can read it there. But if you have your notes, I want you to take out your notes and see this. Storms come when least expected. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Storms come when least expected. They catch you off guard. And have you ever said, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Why did this happen? You could be going on and have a great day, and all of a sudden, out of the sky blue, man, Jim, something happens, right? Here's another one. They blindside you. 
And they catch you unprepared, that you're not prepared. Maybe you have a breakdown, your car broke down, or maybe your refrigerator went out, or maybe you had a flat tire, and they catch you unprepared. And they catch you maybe when you're financially strapped, and they catch you where, man, maybe you're not unable to pay the bill, or you're unable to do that because they caught you unprepared. You know, that's what storms do. Storms do this. They stretch your faith. How many know that? They stretch your faith. That's what happens with storms. You're not supposed to run when you go through the storm, but you hold on to your faith. I like this, like a palm tree. Our faith is a representation of a palm tree. If you ever notice when the storm comes, what stands after the storm? When you go look and see a hurricanes or tornadoes, usually what's standing after storms are palm trees. They have a mechanism in them. As soon as the palm tree starts to bend, all of a sudden it triggers inside the trunk that, man, there's warning, warning, warning. And all that warning tells them to put their roots down deeper and automatically during the storm their roots get deeper and that helps them to sustain the storms and what happens in our lives when we're going through our storms it's a time that our faith gets deeper that God I'm not going to run from you but I'm going to run to you and I'm going to get my faith which is trusting you and believing in you God during the storm so let your your faith get uh, stronger it builds your trust have you ever said this before God I don't understand this storm. God, I don't understand this. Where did this come from? What's up, God? You know what storms do? It makes you depend on God. Could you ever think about this? If we never had a storm in our life, if everything was easy street, Jamie, if everything was smooth and no bumps in the road, where would we have a need for God? Think about that. Why would we have a need if everything was so smooth? You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to trust him in the midst of your storm. Because God says, listen, I will pull you through. Did I not say I am the shepherd? I will never leave you nor forsake you, that I will lead you to the paths of righteousness for your namesake. And God said, listen, when you're going through this storm, trust me. Know that I got everything under control, that I know what's happening in your life if you trust me. But then also, it keeps you alert. It keeps you alert to the attacks or the things that are coming around you, that are going on around your life. That keeps you alert. It keeps you alert. keeps you fresh. It doesn't make you get lazy. It keeps your dependency on God. And a lot of times what happens without storms, we just go through life, and sometimes going through life, we forget God. Because, man, I don't need God. But why is it that we go to God a lot of times just in our crisis. God is not a God of the crisis. God is the God of the cross. And what happens a lot of times, we equate God with God of the crisis instead of God of the cross. And so what we do is we only go to God when we're going through crisis. But when we're going through the happy street and everything's going good in our life, hey, God's kind of put on the shelf until we go through a storm. That shouldn't be that way. It should be a daily walk with God. That God, you're not a God of crisis, but you're the God of the cross. And I'm going to worship you in the good times and the bad times so that when the bad times do come, I'm going to be ready because I've already had a relationship with you every day, even in the good times of my life. I'm not going to get lax. I'm not going to get lazy. I'm not going to become complacent in my relationship with you. Have you ever done that before? Everything's going good. There isn't that need for God. And that's what happens. I love this. Storms stretch your faith, build your trust, and keep you alert. I love this. Through the storms, though the storms are severe, though the storms may be severe in your life, my Lord was always nearby. In John chapter 6, I love this story. And I wrote these, this, these sermons out of my devotion. I'm now past the book of John, and that was my devotional time. And in John chapter 6, the story really stood out to me. You know why it stood out to me? Because it's relatable to you. 
just everyday people living everyday life. How many of you know that we're just everyday people living everyday life? And that's what the disciples were. That you know that even though they had the name disciple, that they were ministers or followers of Jesus, they weren't any special than you. Do you know what? Walt, you have a name. Your name is a disciple. That every one of us are a disciple like the disciples that were with Jesus. When you accept Jesus Christ, you don't sit back on your blessed assurance, Jesus is all mine. You become a discipler for Christ. You become a mouthpiece for Jesus. He becomes his hands and his feet extended. That's what disciples were. They were helping building the kingdom of God for the Lord. So that's what your role is. And so just because they were in the inner circle with God doesn't mean that they were exempt from storms. And a lot of times, that's what you think sometimes. Hey, I'm a disciple. I'm a follower from the Lord. I, I love God with all my heart. So, man, I got to be exempt from the storms. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes you have a bullseye on your back, and the enemy wants to bring you down and discourage you and bring you through storms to make you want to quit. And here is John, chapter, 16, chapter 6, verse 16, says this. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake. Now, think about this when evening came. They were coming to a place where the day was ending. But what were they doing during that day? Think about it. What they were doing was ministering to people. They were with thousands of people. People were coming to be ministered to. They were laying hands on people, praying for people. They were helping Jesus, assisting Jesus. They say that the people who burn out the most are doctors, lawyers, bartenders, pastors, people who give service, nurses. They, give, they burn out because they're always giving emotionally, mentally, spiritually, that they're always giving all the time, that they're always giving. So can you imagine these disciples, they were coming to the end of their day, and they were exhausted. What we do when we're exhausted, what do we do when we're exhausted? We come home from work, we're exhausted, we find our lazy boy, and we become lazy. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Man, we put that recliner up. Some of you got vibrators on that bad boy. Honey, don't bother me. Right? And we become lazy in our lazy boy. So here these guys were. They were exhausted. They were fatigued. They were wore out. And how many of you know this? The enemy, now get this. The enemy, and if you think about the storms that you go through in your life, here's how you can be alert to. The enemy attacks in two ways. When you're exhausted, when you're wore out, when you're at your dead end in your life. That's when the enemy loves to attack. Or he loves to attack when you're celebrating wins in your life. So he attacks in two ways. When you're up, when you're celebrating, man, when your faith is high. Isn't that exactly what happened to Elijah? He just called down fire from heaven before Baal and all his men. And what happened right after that? He, man, laid under a broom tree and wanted to die because he had a spirit of discouragement. But then on the other side, when you're down. The enemy loves to attack because when you're down, that means you're weak, you're fragile, you're receptive to the attacks, and, you're the, man, you start having a pity party. So can you imagine that? That's how the enemy loves to attack. So when you think about your struggle, ask yourself, when these struggles come your way, maybe you're celebrating the win, and the enemy wants to knock you off your perch. Or maybe you're going through some dry times in your life, and the enemy wants to keep you there. So if you're under attack, you've got to ask yourself, why is this happening? So in verse 17, watch this. When they, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake in the Capernaum. Now, you got to get this. They got into a boat and set across the lake of Capernaum. So when they got into the boat, what you got to understand, when they got into the boat, Harlan, the storms weren't coming. The storms weren't there. 
the storm didn't, wasn't happening. Otherwise, you know and I know that you don't get in a boat when the storm's happening. How I many know what I'm talking about? You know that, man, hey, you don't get into the water. The waves are too big. Look at his white caps. You don't get into that lake. You don't get into that. You know that, hey, man, we'll come back next time. We'll get in our boat. We'll go camping or go fishing and we'll do this next time. But now we can't because a storm's coming. But there wasn't a storm. But look what happened. By now, it was dark. Make things even worse. Think about the analogy. When you're going through storms of life, isn't it dark? It's hopeless. It feels like despair, like you're going under. That's what they were going through. It was dark. And you know and I know that, man, back in those days, they didn't have those little poles that you put on your boat and have a little light, that anchor lights. They didn't have that. It was dark. Now watch this. And Jesus had not yet joined them. So in other words, Jesus wasn't there yet. So I want you to think about this. Here they got in the boat. It was dark, and they were without Jesus. So look what happened. Verse 18. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. God, what is this, a setup? Ever felt like that? Lord, you told me to go across the lake. You told me to get in the boat, and now I'm in the boat. And look what happened in verse 19. Watch this. He goes on in verse 19. When they had rolled about three or four miles. God, what's going on? You got us out here three or four miles. We rode, and now all of a sudden the storm coming. Lord, we did what you told us to do. We're being obedient, and now we're going through the storm like this. God, what's up? Ever said that as a Christian? God, I'm a believer. I love you. I serve you with all my heart. Man, I sacrifice. I'm obedient. I do all these things. But, God, I feel like this is a setup. Why do I go through this? Lord, you never leave me nor forsake me. You never give up on me. God, why? Have you ever felt like that before? Maybe in your secret places you yelled at God. Maybe you were mad at God. Maybe you shook your fist at God and said, God, you set me up. That's maybe what the disciples felt. He said, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. Can you imagine? They were frightened. Who is this, a ghost? Here they just left Jesus, and Jesus performed all these miraculous miracles. You would have thought that their faith had been elevated. Their faith would have been excited, Ryan. And then they would have been ready to receive all that God had. Oh, God's got this. But why is it, can I ask you a question? Why is it when you go through a storm in your life, the first thing you seem to forget is God? Can you imagine? Here was the disciples. Here they were. They just saw miraculous signs and wonders happen. And yet when they saw Jesus walking on the water, they were frightened. And a lot of times what happens when we're going through the storms, you need to run to God instead of running from God. God has not been your last resort. He's got to be your first resort. And they were frightened. They should have saw him and said, hey, he's got this. But look what Jesus said. But he said to them, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Can you imagine that? What a story. From calm to a storm to calm again. Maybe right now, you're in the middle of that storm. 
You're in the eye of a storm in your life, and you're like, God, why? Why am I going through this situation? Why is this happening to me? You can read the same story in Matthew 14, verse 22, and in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, the same story, same outcome. They went through the storms, but there's always an end to the storm. Storms can last longer than others. Do you remember some? But what happens when you're going through a storm? You have this on your notes. Storms leave us like this. When you're going through a storm, here's what storms do. First thing is storms leave us too far from the shore. In other words, too far from a solution. You ever felt like that? That you're out in the middle of this storm, too far from the solution. God, what am I going to do? I don't know what God I can do. I feel like, God, I'm going under. You ever felt like that? Maybe you feel like you're in the middle of the storm and you have no solution. There's only hope is God. Why is it, can I ask you a question? Why is it that when you're sick or when you got a dilemma or you're going through a situation, you run to this place and you run to that place, you run to the doctor, you get prescriptions, you run and all this stuff. But then the last resort you make is God. Shouldn't we run to God first? Before we do all these things, I'm not saying that you don't need a prescription or this, that, and the other thing. Because I know I might have to do something with my arm right now. It's spasming right now, even as I speak. But a lot of times what happens is that we run to other things other than God. And our first resort should be, God, I run to you. You are the solution. Here's what happens too. Storms leave us this too long in the struggle. Too long in the court system. Maybe you faced a situation. I shared the story in the first service. My niece, Lynn, and her husband, Sam, they were too long in the court system. They tried to adopt. And the adopting, man, they went through a long time, a long process. They had this young man for over four and a half years before they finally could adopt this young man. And they went through court system, one right after another, right after another. And it was never going to happen that he was going to get back with his natural parents. And they went, and they were getting exhausted. Maybe you've had an experience like that, whether it be a divorce court, whether it be with a financial big bankruptcy or whatever it was. Maybe it's gone on too long. Here's another one. Too long in the hospital. God, I'm in this storm. When am I ever going to get well? When am I ever going to get better? We have a gentleman here today, and I, I, I meant to call him on the phone, and man, I couldn't go see him, but he's here today, and he was laid in his bed for 13 days. And his wife put the phone up to his ear, and I said, let me pray with you. We prayed, and today he's out of the bed, and Greg is here today. Greg, wave your hand. Amen. Amen. 13 days laid up in bed. If you know anything about Greg, Man, he's a strong guy, very active, loves to work, loves to supply for his family. But he was laid up too long in the hospital, too long in the struggle. Another one is this, too long without a good friend. God, why am I so lonely? You see, storms will make you isolate. Let me tell you this. The enemy loves you to isolate yourself. A fair fight, two against two, uh, if two or three agree, it shall be done. But when you're alone, you know that ten against one is not a fair fight. And what he does, he loves to pull you out of strength in numbers. He loves to pull you out and isolate you. And when he comes at you, what he does, he makes you feel like you're the lone ranger that no one cares. Too long from a good friend. 
Ever felt that way? That, man, nobody cares when that's not true. But you feel that way. That's what storms will do. Too small against the wave. Too small and too alone. That, God, I'm, I'm not big enough. But I always say when I'm going through the storm and I feel like I'm too small on my own, you and God make a majority. And if God is for you, who can be against you? And you have to understand that when you're going through the storms, you're not alone. That's why Hebrews 13 verse 5 says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is always there with you. All you have to do is call upon his name. No one to help, encourage, support, or even pray. All alone. You ever felt that way before? God, where are you? That's what storms will do. Storms can dominate our lives and sometimes overtake us. Man, I'm going under. I'm doomed. I'm not going to make it. Sometimes the storms come when it's only you and your faith to count on and nothing else. Jehoshaphat, God, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are upon you. See, sometimes in the midst of your storm, it's to test your faith to see where you're at. Here's one of the things you got to understand, that God will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So when you're going through a, a, a storm in your life and you're being tested in your life, God said, I'll never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So listen, if you're going through a storm and you think you can't make it, hey, God thinks differently. God says you're stronger than you think. And then when you get to a point where you feel like you're going to break and God thinks you're going to break, that's when God said enough is enough. Their faith has been tested. They're strong enough. They withstood the battle. I'm going to pull them through. Sometimes in your life, Levi, you're going to go through these storms to test to see where you're at. Is your faith with God knee deep, ankle deep, waist deep? Where is it with God when you're going through the storms? I'm not going to give up. Storms can make you trust deeper or run further. I'm going to trust you, God, deeper. I'm not going to run, but I'm going to trust you. A lot of times we don't understand the storm. They blindside you. They catch you off guard. But you know what? Nothing surprises your God. And you have to understand that. Nothing surprises your God. Do you know that God is the umpire of your life? God is the umpire of your life. He calls the balls and strikes of your life. He calls the balls and strikes. He's behind the plate. He knows what a strike is. He knows what a ball is. He knows everything about your life. But sometimes he lets you grow up to become the man and woman that you are today. How many remember the time when your kids, when they first started walking, and when they first started walking, they were falling, and we wanted to intercept them and help them and take them by the hand to get them to walk further. But eventually they kind of pushed you away and said, no, I'm going to do it myself. If you're anything like my little granddaughter, she is so sassy. She's just turning two, and I mean to tell you, she's got a mind of her own. Get out of my way. Just got back from the USA. And I mean, she's just happy, like, get. I don't need you. And sometimes what happens is we, we, we just got to trust God and believe that he has it in control. You know what, John chapter 6, verse 20, we read it, but he says this. It is I, don't be afraid. Why do you think Jesus said, it is I? If you have your notes, watch this. The little translation of what Jesus said is, I am. Now watch this. Don't be afraid. I am is God's name. That's why he said, it is I, I am. Moses, who should I say the Pharaoh sent me? 
I am who I am sent me. God never changes off his character, his word, his love for you. God is not loving you out of your circumstances. God loves you in your circumstances and even out of your circumstances. He loves you always. He never changes. I am. Look at this. If God had a calling card, it would contain the imprint, I am. I am. His name, I am, is a title for steadiness and power. You know what? God is not shaken by your circumstances. God is not moved by your circumstances. He's not caught off guard by your circumstances. That's why he's your anchor. God is not caught off guard. He knows all, sees all, hears all. When we wonder if God is coming, he answers with his name, I am. When you're thinking all what's going on in our world right now and all the things that are happening and all this turmoil, God, are you coming? He responds to you, I am. When you're going through the storms of life, God, have you abandoned me? Are you coming? I am. When you wonder if he is able, you know what he declares? I am. I am. I am able to pull you through the storm. I am able to help you up. I'm able to rescue you. I am the great shepherd that will lead you to greener pastures if you trust me. When we see nothing but darkness, feel nothing but doubt, and wonder if God is, is near or even aware, guess what he answers? His answer to us is, I am. I am. God, are you aware? I am. God, are you near? I am. God, do you care? I do. Everything that you say, God says, I am. God, are you with me? I am. God, do you love me? Yes. God, do you care? Yes. His response to you is, I am. I am who I say I am. When I pulled my arm, and now it's my it's all spasm even right now. It's all tight right here. But anyways, when I pulled my arm, this has happened to me yesterday. Uh, but when I pulled my arm pulling on my snowmobile, I always do this, and I want to do this with you. When I pulled my arm, my first reaction was I knew that I ripped it. I really did, sir. I knew that I ripped it. So even when I was in the garage yesterday, this was no kidding, I knew that I was ripped it, and my pain was out of my mind. You know what I did? I stopped Stephanie, and I had a praise break. And what I did is I had to put my hands on my head, and I started to pray, God, you can touch my arm. You can take away this pain. I'm going to focus on the problem solver and not the problem. And I began to pray. And you know what I did? Not only did I get my snowmobile started, but I went 62 miles with a torn rotor cuff. And you know what that does? Sometimes in your life, you need to stop and take a praise break. You see, praise breaks get you focused off the problem, get you focused on the problem solver. So I ask you a question today. The question is, what is your problem? What is making you uneasy or having anxiety or worry or pressures or threats right now in your life? What is it? Once you identify it, then you've got to attack it. You can't be intimidated by the roar of that 
struggle or that struggle that's going on in your life. You see, when David saw Goliath, he didn't run from Goliath. He ran to Goliath. And a lot of times your troubles roar louder than the voice of God. Let me ask you something. Does your trouble, does your struggle know God's voice? You see, you know that struggle. You know that voice of that struggle that roars at you say you don't have enough finances. How many know that voice? You know that struggle that you're never going to get healed. You know that voice. But let me ask you, does that voice know your God? My God can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's about time you start speaking back to the voice that says you can't and tell that voice you can Man, we allow the voice to intimidate us, to roar at us, and what we do is we retreat, and we never conquer our problems. It's about time we start roaring back at the voices. A praise breaks helps you refocus on who he is and how great he is. Storms try to bring us down, but he, Jesus, will pull us through. He'll pull us through. In Isaiah 43, starting verse 1. I love these verses of Scripture because it pertains to you. Now watch this. But now this is what the Lord says. Now get this. He who created you, Jacob. Now put your name there where it says, Jacob, he who created you, CJ, who created you, Stephanie. He does that because he wants to get personal, that God gets involved with the human interest of man. He it does that Jacob, who is a representation of God, is a pillar. So he says, hey, he who created Jacob, I created you. And not only do I create you, Harlan, but I know and I understand you. I know you better than any physician or doctor that you go to. I know every cell about you. I know every hair on your head. I know where you stand and where you don't stand. I know everything about you. Nothing escapes God. So he says, he who created you, C.J., he who formed you, Israel, which is talking to this congregation, Israel, watch what he says. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. In other words, he accepted you. He accepts you, Roxy. He accepts you. He receives you as his own. That's why we can say, as the Bible says, that he's our Abba Father. He's our Papa. He's our Daddy. He's interested in all that we do. Some time ago, and I shared this story in the first service. Uh, some time ago, my son, CJ, he blew out his knee his senior year. He tore his meniscus in his, in his knee. And it was his senior year, and he was having a great year. And, uh, man, I'll never forget, we took him to the doctor. They did surgery. They put little holes in his knee. They don't cut you open, but they put little holes in your knee. And I'll never forget, I have my man cave there at my house in Colorado. And my son and I went down in the man cave. I'll never forget this. And he started crying. And I remember his pain. Dad, I'm done with basketball. My career is over. This is my senior year. Man, I had all these opportunities to play ball. Man, all this doom and gloom. And I'll never forget, we were just sitting on the couch. And I put my arm around him. I just began to pray, Lord, touch my son. God, heal my son. Man, just strengthen him, touch his knee. You know what God did? Two weeks later, my son was back on the basketball court. And he finished out his senior year that he got a full ride to Illinois. Do you know what? That example of me and my son is the example with you and your God, Tamara. 
that God puts you on the couch. He says, it's okay. I got this. Because why? He said, I redeemed you. In other words, I accept you. As parents, you have the responsibility to raise your children. God is our parent. And he has the responsibility to be able to take care of you because he's your Abba Father. He's not going to give up on his word. He's going to do what he said he will do. He'll never let the righteous be forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. He's redeemed you and he's accepted you. But then he goes on to say, watch this. I have summoned you by name. You see, can you get that? By name. Some of you may think that maybe you're a number in God's eyes. No. You have a name. He created you fearfully and wonderfully in your mother's womb, and he knew you before you were even born. You are important to God. You are valuable to God. You have a name, and God knows it. You're not a number with God. You are mine. But watch this. So because of that, he gives you that hope because of this verse. So watch this. Because you are mine and I redeemed you, I accepted you, I'm with you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Why? Because you're his. He's redeemed you. He's accepted you. He loves you. I will be with you. Watch this. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Watch this. For I, for I am the Lord your God. Why? Because he's redeemed you. He's accepted you. He's got responsibilities to take care of his children. The Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I give Egypt for your ransom, crushed and Syria in your stead. Do not be afraid. For I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. Why? Because he's redeemed you. He has a responsibility to take care of you. What storm are you going through that I am can't calm? What problem is too great that he can't fix? I love this. You got to get this one. The reward of the believer, that's you and me, is that our God exists for you and me to do what? To love you. His first and foremost is that he wants to love you. After all, that's how the Bible generated, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that is our anthem birth, that he gave his only begotten son, that who shall believe in him shall what? Not perish, but have everlasting life. But then the other one is to help us. He's not going to abandon you, not going to bail ship, and to protect us. That's what you and I have with God, to love us, to help us, and to protect us. How many of you ever told your kids, spouse or friends, not to be afraid? Have you ever said that? How many of you have said that? Maybe even yesterday you told someone, don't be afraid. Can I ask you a question? Why is it so easy for you to say that to others, but you have a hard time believing it for yourself? Words of comfort and strength. Believe it now, then for yourself. 
If you believe it for the person that you're saying it to, believe it now for yourself. Sometimes we need a reminder of the words ourselves. Don't be afraid. I am has this under control. He's got it under control. There is an end to every storm. Ride it out. Wait it out. Check him out in your storms. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew your strength. I'm moving quickly. Storms don't play fair, but our God does. And when he says it's enough, it's enough. God knows your limitations. And when you think you're going under, God says, no, you're stronger than you think. And when you get to that point, breaking point in your life, God is always on time. He's never too late, never too early. He's an on-time God. And he'll step into your situation at the very moment, right when you need it. That's what our God does. And I love this. <laughs> Do you remember the storms from your past? You are not going to make it. Do you remember that? Remember? Well, you did. I look out here and I see miracles. I see John Bullen, who I love this man dearly. And to see what this man has gone through, the health situations that he's gone through. But I'm here to tell you, he's here today to tell about it. I've seen people here today that have cancer. Becky McConkie, who is full of cancer, and God stepped into her storm. And today, raise your hand, Becky. Today, Becky is completely healed of cancer. Times when you think that God can't take control or step into your boat, the moment Jesus was invited into the boat with the disciples, the storm became still. What is your storm? What is your problem? Storms give you experience and maturity for your next storm. They help you to mature, to be wiser for when the next attack comes your way. Oh, enemy, you can't blindside me. I've gone through this before. I love this. Storms help us to pay it forward, to strengthen and encourage others. So a lot of times the storms that you go through in life maybe just aren't intended for you. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, that iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Do you ever think about maybe the storms that you're going through in life are maybe for someone else? I was sharing a story the other, in the first service, and I got to close. Andrew, good, come on up here. Give him some hope. <laughs> Every time Cheryl and I go to Minneapolis, we go to Lakeville, McDonald's right there in Lakeville. We go there for one reason. There's a lady that's there. She's 76 years old. She's retired, but she's lonely, so she wants to do something to get out of the house. So we go to the drive up there at McDonald's. Well, every time we're there, she works the morning shift, so we go there to get breakfast. My wife loves sausage egg McMuffins. Now, I know I'm going to get you hungry, and we're going to Gary, so we'll meet you there if you want to, right? But we go there, and she's got the smiley face on, man. She's great. We love her. We always tell her how much we appreciate her. But that particular day, there was a car behind me, and it wasn't your normal car. And how many of you know that we always sometimes judge a book by its cover? Well, right behind me was this beautiful Mercedes. Man, beautiful. Mercedes are usually black or silver, and this one was a black one. And you could tell that the man was really executive. He was in a suit coat, had a tie on. You could tell that he was an executive of some sort. And the Lord inspired me. He said, hey, uh, to my friend, I, I, I want to pay for 
his meal. Well, it so happened to be it wasn't just a meal. It was $16 in some sense. I bought, but I still paid it. And I got to the second window to get my food, and he got up to the first window to pay, and I paid his bill. You know what that guy did? Man, he's flashing his lights. He's beeping his horn. He's waving at me, and I'm waving backwards like this. And, man, he was so excited that when we pulled out, we have to do a U-turn to come out. And he got alongside us, and he rolled down his window. And all he could say was, thank you, thank you, thank you. And sometimes in life, we judge a book by its cover, and we look at a person and we think, oh, man, they got it all together. Look what he drives. Look how he looks. And we think that they don't have any needs. But let me tell you something. Every individual in this world has a need, has a secret, has a place, has a hurt, has a pain in their life. We should never categorize people. We should always be looking for a need to fill. And playing it forward means this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. But praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort that He loves us. He has compassion. He understands but look at this next verse. Who comforts us in all our troubles. But look at, it doesn't end there. So that we can comfort those in any trouble we, the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So sometimes your struggle is not only for your benefit, but James, it's to help others. Hey, man, hey, I went through this and I can help you. That's why the body of Christ needs each other. That's why the Bible says you can't say to the eye, I don't need you. You can't say to the hand, I don't need you. We all are a part of the body of Christ and we need each other. Regardless if you're the foot and I'm the eye or you're the brain and I'm the no brain. We all need each other. And we're here to encourage and to cheer. We all need to put on, guys, we need to put on cheerleading skirts. Yay! Can you imagine that? See your hairy legs, white legs. And encourage each other. Iron sharpens iron. Lifting each other up. And comfort is like playing it forward, filling a need with a friend and comfort you receive. The words of comfort is hope or comfort of peace. Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 21, they let him in. Don't make Jesus your last resort, but your first resort. I got to close with this, and I promise I'm done. In James chapter 1, if any of you, it's talking about you and me, lack wisdom. Have you ever said, God, I don't know what to do? Maybe you're lacking wisdom in your situation right now, God. And I'm going under instead of up. I got a battle going on. Lord, I'm lacking wisdom. Wisdom leads to fine rubies, the Bible said. Wisdom leads to the way or the answers or directions for your life. You lack wisdom. You should ask God. But look at how he says this. And you've got to get this. Who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You know why he puts that in there? Because this is why God puts that, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Because you know why you don't go to God? And you know why people don't ask God? Because they don't feel worthy enough to ask God. God, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did this, I did that. So because we feel that, we don't feel that we have the right to ask. And Jesus pinned those words without finding fault. 
so that you can be Hebrews 4, 4, verse 14. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in your time of need because we have one who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness. Hebrews 4, 14, 15, and 16. We have one who's able to understand us. So stop putting yourself down. God said, I don't even remember what you're going through. I've forgiven you. So because you hold on to that, but he says this, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So God, I'm coming asking. I need help in this storm. I got some relational issues going on. I got some problems going on. I got this going on. doesn't mean because you ask, you're weak. God, I need you to help me to come into my boat to calm this storm. Whether it's relational, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, God, you've got to come into this situation, my boat, to bring peace to this situation. Wisdom turns your crisis around and puts you back on track. In asking, you must believe in what he says, trust in what you should do, and live like you mean it. Will you stand with me today? Stand with me today. Live like you mean it. Believe like you believe it. What storm are you going through right now that God can't fix? If you invite God into your boat, the storms will become still. And maybe you feel like that storm has left you all alone, like we talked about, the storm, what storms do. Maybe you feel all alone. So I'm going to do something real quick. I'm going to ask some of my altar workers to step out. Will you, will you do that, altar workers? One of my altar workers to step out. I believe today that God wants you to be the overcomer of your storm. Maybe you're feeling all alone and you need prayer this morning. I'm going to close in prayer and I'm going to let you leave. But if you need prayer, I want you to step out. Just step out. You say, Pastor, I need prayer. If that's you, step out. Come on, just step out. Come on. Don't, don't, don't rob yourself of a blessing. Don't continue to fight this struggle on your own. Don't continue to go through this battle on your own. Where two or three agree, it shall be done. Come on, step out. Step out by one of these people. Come on. If you need prayer, just step out. Come on. Come on, Ryan. Come on over here. Come on. I need some more people to come down here and pray with people. Come on. I need some more prayer warriors. Come on. Come on. Chris. Harlan, come on. Come on. Pray over here. Come on. Hey, we're in this together. We're in this together. We're in this together. Anyone else? Don't leave the same way you came. Don't let pride hold you back when you need a miracle in your life. Man, let God intervene. It's right here. Pray with Rose right here, Harlan and Jane. Anyone else? You say, Pastor, I need prayer. This is where the church rallies together and believes with one another that I'm helping you. Anyone else? I'm going to count to three and then we'll go. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I need prayer. One. Say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need somebody to come right here. Roxy, come and pray with Sandy right here. Two, anyone else? Say, Pastor, I need prayer. Three, anyone else? Let me pray over you now. I am is with you. He's with you. Father, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I pray in the name of Jesus that God, whatever they're going through in life, that God, you step into their boat. That you turn their scars into stars. You turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones. That, God, they walk out, Lord God, with victory, knowing that, God, you've gone before them. You're making a way where there seems to be no way. 
bring hope and encouragement to every individual here today that no storm is greater than the storm solver. That's you. That, God, you're able to face your face into the wind of their lives and say enough is enough. And I pray, God, you bring peace, strength, and comfort to those here right now. For those at the altar, God, meet them where their need is at. Touch them where their need is great. And we thank you, Father, for today, for truly this is the day that you have made. And we will and we shall rejoice in it. Go with us now, we pray, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you for being here. If you still need prayer, there's people down here to pray with you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.